Hey, before I begin, I want to read to you a scripture verse that Cliff Salmon actually posted online. So Cliff, if you're watching, thanks for, thanks for posting this online just before the service. He says this, well, not Cliff, but he, he's quoting Colossians, which says this. Steve, I'm going to have you stay on the stage for a sec here, by the way. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, thank you, Cliff, for sharing that verse with us. Uh, before I jump into this, my message today, um, Steve, just hold on for a sec. Just stay right there-ish. <laughs> uh, this is Steve's last Sunday, and I just want to acknowledge that today, and, uh, and Carla's last Sunday, too. And, uh, man, we, we love you guys so much. We're going to miss you. And, uh, you know, just I was reminiscing just with my own mind just how we first met. You know, I think, uh, I think we first met when I came to the church about eight years ago. You're leading worship. I'm like, wow, that's a guy I, I, I can mesh with. I love the way this guy leads worship. I love his heart. I love his attitude. And I remember saying to Steve, hey, man, I'd love to work with you some, somehow, some way. I don't exactly know how the conversation went. And Steve wasn't available at the time. He was working somewhere else. And within a couple of years, I guess, the, his, 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 his world opened up. He was available to be here. And we had an opening for him to be here. And it worked out for Steve to join us quarter time as the music director. And then over time, uh, he became, we promoted him to the half, half time. And uh, we just had a wonderful working relationship. He did a wonderful job with the small groups and the music here at the church. And um, uh, Steve and Carla, we love you. Uh, I see that you guys both love the Lord. You guys both love God's people. Uh, you guys have a wonderful gift of hospitality. And Carla, I loved how recently, you know, we went through this kind of new spiritual gift survey thing, and you were willing to go through that process, and you're so willing to serve. Appreciate that. Love your heart. Steve, um, you know, there's so many positive things I could say about you. I just love how you've been, uh, you, you're just such an upbeat, positive person, optimistic. You are adaptable. You're able to manage large groups of people. You have a sincere love for the Lord and his people. You're a man of character. Um, which in these days can be rare. You are encouraging. You're an excellent listener. You are caring. Uh, you are someone who I think, I've said this multiple times about you, you're someone who has a real gift of empathy and mercy towards others in the church. You're fun. And uh, as a bonus, you happen to be a good musician, you know? But uh, what I love most about you is your character and your attitude. I, I love, love you, man. And uh, we're, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you guys. We love you, and we, we appreciate you. So th thank you for your service. Yeah. Thank you. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> just, a little, just a little card we got you on behalf of the church which, uh, which, with a small gift in there for you and for you and Carla. And if anyone else has, uh, you know, you want to write Steve a card or something, I would encourage you to do that. And before you leave the stage, let me pray for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for Steve, and um, Lord, I thank you for, Lord, you've given me personally a great gift in having the privilege of working with Steve. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that gift. And Lord, I pray for Steve and Carla as, um, as this is their last Sunday, and they're not too sure what's next for them. Uh, we pray that you would guide them. You would give them wisdom. You would direct their paths and their steps. Lord, they don't know what their future holds, but you do. And we praise you, Lord, that that's all that matters, that they are serving you, they're walking with you, you're with them. We pray that you will bless them and bless their future. 
We also pray that you would uh, bless Grace Church and help Grace Church as they got, uh, Grace Church has big shoes to fill and, and, and big gaps to fill in, in, in losing Steve. And so we pray that you'd be great with Grace Church as well as we try to fill in those gaps. Lord, we pray for the message this morning that you would uh, challenge us and you would encourage us and uh, you would just bless the reading of your word and the preaching of your word today. We pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Bless you, Steve. So, uh, today's message is entitled, uh, What to Do If You Are Feeling Anxious About the Future. What to do if you're feeling anxious about the future. And what I've done today is, is I've just gathered a handful of scripture verses that have encouraged me in moments where I felt anxious. And it's, as these verses and passages have encouraged me, I hope, to, I hope and trust it will encourage you as well. Of course, we have some circumstances going on in our lives right now where some people from a human perspective could be feeling a little bit anxious. Steve? may have had moments where he might be feeling a little bit anxious because he's not too sure what his future looks like. I'm in the same boat as Steve where I'll be wrapping up my time here at the end of September and there have been moments where I have felt a little bit anxious. Maybe there's some people in Grace Church who, who are looking forward to rebuilding and perhaps there's been moments of anxiousness around that. Uh, I spoke to uh, someone this past week, and they're, they're, just, they're just wait a woman who is just kind of waiting for mom to, to pass and what to do with all that, and maybe there have been some moments of anxiety in that. Uh, we know some people are moving. I spoke to someone else last week who um, is moving to New Brunswick, and perhaps there's been some anxiety around that. I just had a seminary professor who had a stroke. Um, we've had loved ones in our church who've lost loved ones, and there are lots of reasons and possibilities why, from a human perspective, some of us could be anxious at a time like this. Well, you know, um, anxiety from a human perspective can come from change. And you know, in this life, uh, the only thing that seems not to change is actually the fact that there will be change. <laughs> Uh, as the saying goes, nothing stays the same forever. In other words, there's going to be change. Now, some of us will embrace change. We will choose something that brings a positive change in our life. But as many of us know, as all of us will know, actually, if you live just a few moments in this life, you're going to have change that just is brought upon you, things that you maybe not, didn't wish for yourself, some difficult circumstances that, that you, you never would have wished for yourself or anyone else. And it just happens. So the one thing that doesn't change in this life is the fact that there is change. The world is constantly, constantly changing. Your, your own life is constantly, constantly changing. But we serve a God who does not change. And that's our first verse that I want to share with us today. In the midst of whatever you're going through today, Hebrews 13.8 says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Can I get an Amen. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the same past, present, and future. No matter what you're going through, no matter what changes you're going through in your life, you serve a God who does not change. He is a rock. He is a foundation. He is a rock that we can build, build a house upon. He knows the future. He sees the future. He writes the future. He doesn't change. James says that God does not change like shifting shadows. So in whatever change you're experiencing right now, remember that you serve a God who does not change. Let me jump to another passage, which is actually in the same passage, but just a few verses uh, prior to verse 8. 
Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Never will I leave you. Never, never will I forsake you. Beautiful. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And this verse, the writer of Hebrews is actually quoting Deuteronomy 31, 6, where the Israelites were to go and take over the promised land, and they were anxious, they were afraid, because the people that God was calling to take over, they were more numerous than them, they were larger than them, they were outnumbered, out-resourced, and they were stressed and, uh, and anxious. I mean, some of them were, at least, I'm sure. And Deuteronomy 31, 6 says this, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. So the God who does not change, who knows the future, who sees the future, who writes the future, he promises to stay with you no matter what you face. When the odds are against you, when the numbers don't make sense, God is with you, and that's all that matters. Be strong and courageous. Another beautiful verse, Isaiah 41.10. I could read this verse every day, multiple times a day, and not get tired of it. In fact, I have been doing that uh, in, during some seasons. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. Why? Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. Beautiful. I will strengthen you. He's pretty strong. <laughs> he says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, this past week I was feeling anxious. <clears throat> and I couldn't sleep. I had a hard time sleeping. So I did something that was kind of uncharacteristic. I, I was like, I, I just can't sleep. I can't, I can't calm down. So I decided to walk outside. Went three in the morning, walked outside, decided to walk around my street. And I looked up at the, at the sky, and I saw the moon there, big, beautiful moon, and I saw the stars. And I thought to myself, the God who flung the moon and the stars into space says that I am with you. And I mean, reflect on that. I mean, I mean the God who, just, the God who just used a couple of words, just spoke the universe into existence, is with you. The prophet Nahum said of God, he said, uh, just at God's presence, the mountains quake, the hills melt away, the earth trembles, just in his presence. That God lives with you. He walks with you. He promises to never leave you. The same God whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord, that, that same God walks with you. Where every single superpower of the world, the, the, the greatest and the worst, dictators, leaders of the world, the greatest nations, the most powerful nations, both in the physical world and the, the seen world and the unseen world, every single power in all of the universe will one day bow a knee and declare Jesus to be Lord. That is the God who walks with you and promises to never leave you. That is the God who never changes. There's another passage that where Jesus uh, Jesus is telling us not to worry. It's Matthew 6. Oops. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much 
more valuable than they? And I love this question that Jesus asks. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? In other words, what's the point? <laughs> I've never been in a situation where I worried about something and, I'm, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful I worried about that for an hour. I feel so much better. <laughs> I've never gained anything by worrying never, or being anxious about something. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus tells us not to worry. And, um, you know, I think worry is actually a form of lack of faith. When we worry, we might be saying to God, God, I don't know if you're, if you're really with me. God, I'm not sure if you're really strong enough. God, I'm not sure if you really know the future. God, I'm not sure if you really know what I'm going through or what, what we're going through. Worry is something that we actually need to repent of. And, and uh, we need to put our future into God's hands. God just simply says here in this passage, Jesus says, just put God's kingdom first. If you just put God's kingdom first, honor him, he'll take care of you. And we need to have a, the attitude, the attitudes of our heart needs to be, God, what, what can I do today to honor you? What, what is it that you want me to do today in this moment? Of course, we make our plans for tomorrow, but we hold on to them very lightly. Lord, what can I do today to, to honor you and put you first? And as you do that, God will take care of you. Let me move on to another passage that has been encouraging me. It's a story of Joseph. You can find Joseph's story at the end of Genesis and um, near the end of Genesis. And Joseph was a man who was born into a very large family, a bunch of brothers, and they had a father named Jacob, otherwise known as Israel. And Joseph was the favorite. And so the brothers knew that, and they were jealous, and so they decided to sell their brother as a slave, and that's what they did. So Joseph gets carted off to Egypt while the brothers go back to their father, and they lie to their father, and they dip Joseph's coat in a bunch of blood and suggest to their father, lie to their father and say that he was eaten by a bunch of animals. And so uh, uh, Jacob, Jacob is distraught that his, he thinks his son is dead. The brothers are probably feeling very guilty. I'm not too sure exactly what they were feeling at the time, that they had lied to their father and betrayed their brother, and they would eventually feel that. Joseph is carted off to Egypt. He's probably feeling very anxious. But he's bright, and the Lord's with him, and so he gets, he gets, he gets a good job working for one of the officials, but then he's falsely accused of something he didn't do, and he gets thrown into prison. At that moment, Joseph was probably thinking, oh, my goodness, uh, I'm in a very difficult, crummy situation. I'm sure Joseph would have felt anxiety, worry, bitterness towards his brothers, perhaps. Um, very grieved that he would never see his father or his family again. He was in he was in the depths. He was in a valley. We were saying about the valley today, didn't we? And, uh, well, anyways, God is with them. The God who does not change, the God who knows the past, the present, and the future was with Joseph, and he knew what was going on. He, he had already written the story. 
And God gave Joseph this incredible ability to help interpret people's dreams. And when that was discovered, Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph comes, interpret his dreams, and warns Pharaoh that seven years of plenty and seven years of famine are coming. And because Pharaoh saw that God was with Joseph, Pharaoh appoints Joseph to be the ruler of all Egypt under Pharaoh. And so what happens is time passes. There's a famine throughout the entire land, and Joseph's family comes to meet him face to face which results in Joseph being able to save not only his family, but the whole nation of Israel. And God had all this worked out in advance. They didn't know it. And Jacob dies, and the brothers are terrified. Now that dad is gone, Joseph's going to want to get revenge on us, surely. And so they come before him, and they, they repent. And Genesis 50, verse 9, 19 says this, But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. God had brought Joseph through crummy situations and circumstances as part of a greater plan to save many lives. Paul echoed this concept in Romans 8.28. He said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God uses all of our circumstances, our good and bad, our in between circumstances, and he uses it for his good and for his glory. The greatest example, of course, is the cross where God sent his perfect son who never sinned uh, to earth to die on the cross for us. And I'm sure his followers, Jesus' disciples, after Jesus had died and was buried, they were very likely terrified. They were anxious. Actually, they were hiding. They were thinking, are we next? Are the Jews going to come for us? Are the Romans going to come for us? What, what, what is God doing? What's he up to? I thought God said he would never leave us. What, why did he let the Messiah die? What's going on? Well, thankfully, God, Jesus, didn't stay that. He rose from the dead. And as he rose from the dead, it, it just inspired just this new, it, it invigorated the disciples, and they realized what God's plan was to the point where they shared the gospel throughout the entire known world at the time, and the gospel continues to spread today that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus uh, and they repent of their sins, and they trust him for, to take away their sins. They believe that he died uh, and rose again, can be reconciled to God. God used that, those very difficult circumstances to, and, and turned it into something beautiful and amazing, the reconciliation of humankind towards God for those who will put their faith in him. And the last passage I want to turn to today is Philippians uh, chapter 4. Verse 4 to 9, which says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, hold on here. Uh, Paul was writing this from, pri from prison, <laughs> from very difficult circumstances. Um, he, was, he was in prison. He was persecuted. He was abandoned. He, had, he was experiencing really crummy circumstances. And he says, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. All right, if Paul could rejoice in crummy circumstances, so, so can you. So can I. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord's coming. Lord Jesus, come soon. I'm looking forward to whenever you decide to come, Lord. Do not be anxious about anything. Notice how it doesn't say you can be anxious about some things. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In other words, just go and talk to God about everything. 
Tell him what's going on in your life. You already know, but tell him anyways. And even regardless of whatever you're going through, find something to be thankful about. Go to God. Talk to him. Find something to be thankful about. And what? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. The God who does not change will be with you. The, the, the God who flung the stars into space and spoke the universe into existence is with you. The God who turns crummy circumstances into good ones is with you. God is with you. Uh, God's peace is with you as you talk to him, as you let him know what's going on in your life, and as you trust him. Uh, I'm going to pray and invite the worship team to come back. Lord, you are so good, and uh, you treat us better than we deserve in so many ways. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your mercy, for your love your commitment to us. Lord, you promised to stay with us and never leave us. Wow. That is amazing. In a world where, where people will leave us, Lord, you don't. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I pray for anyone who, here who is feeling anxious about anything, uh, just a personal matter, a business matter, a relationship matter, Whatever is going on, whatever change in our lives that perhaps some of us are feeling anxious, we pray that uh, we, would, we would give those things over to you and we would have a renewed sense of trust in you and that you're in our life, that you're in our presence and, and you are for us and you want to help us and you want to you be there for us. So Lord, put, help us to put all our circumstances in your hands. And again, thank you, Lord, for walking with us. Amen.